Okay, so again, that was Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 22 through 32. And it says this, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sat, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the, out of the, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. A very simple prayer that he said, Lord, save me. <clears throat> I lost my spot. <laughs> um, Verse 31. Thank you. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they come, were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we want to thank you for all those who come today. Um, Lord, you said that your word would not return void. And Lord, you know the devil's been fighting me on this. And I just pray, Lord, that whatever difference this makes, I pray, Lord, that you would just comfort us, convict us, show us, Lord, what you want us to see from your word tonight. Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy. We lift these things to you and we pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen. So <clears throat> let's take a look. I want to take a couple of look, just a couple of things of this set of passages and take a look at we can what we can learn from this um the first thing that we see is that jesus calls peter out of the water out onto the water and peter walks on water we see at first that peter's central focus is on christ which enables peter by faith to walk on water you see even though the disciples were fearful when Jesus said, come, Peter had faith in what Jesus said. So much so that he was willing to step out and go to him. See, when we have a central focus on Christ, because that's what, as, as believers, we ought to have, our focus will draw us closer to Christ. Amen? And so Peter has that faith. And we realize that Jesus only spoke one word, and that was come. And Peter came. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 21, verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, 
Ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. We see that if Christ is our central focus, we can have that faith in and if we have that faith in him, what seems impossible is made possible. There is no way in a natural realm that a human being can step out and walk in water. It's very it's not it's very impossible. No man can ever do that except for a couple Jesus Christ and Peter. But Jesus Christ is also God in the flesh. But the only natural man that was not God that was able to do this for a short amount of time was Peter. You see, when we focus on Christ, the things that seem impossible are possible. And we know that God is a God that can do the impossible. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. There's nothing hard for God. Because God is much bigger than this earth. This earth cannot contain him. Even the heavens of heavens cannot contain. God is much bigger and much powerful than we know. See, we are very limited in what we know about God. But I believe when we go home, we'll know a lot more than what we do now. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, it says, And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You know, we, because this was in the context of salvation. You know, who, who can be saved? And that was Jesus' response. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God, nothing is impossible for God. We think so because we have a finite mind. But God says that his ways are higher than our ways. His his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't comprehend that. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the time appointed? I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You see, Sarah was very was a very old age. She couldn't conceive anymore. She was way past due. She was up in age. But God said that she will have a son. So you see that what was what seemingly was impossible for man was possible for God. And we see we actually see examples of this. As Brother Bill is going through the miracles of Jesus, one of them is the the feeding of the five thousand in John chapter six. Next, we see the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus, 
Both examples. How can you take, how can you physically take five small loaves and two fishes to feed a multitude of people? You can't. It's impossible for us. But with God, he multiplied all that and ended up with 12 baskets of leftovers. With man, it was impossible to part, literally part, the Red Sea. But with God, it was possible. Because God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the creator of all. This is not hard for him. We also see the conversion of Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. And if you actually, if you go through and read, there were not very many Pharisees that were converted. As a matter of fact, as far as I know, there are only two of them in which we know that may have gotten saved. One of them, at least, may have gotten saved. That was Nicodemus. Because he came to Jesus that night inquiring of him. But then you have Saul, another Pharisee, who was converted. The Pharisees were a religious group of people that were trying, that were putting yokes under people, putting bondage and yokes under under people for them to follow. Things that were not even in the law, they made up. A lot of the things they, they made a whole bunch, they made up a whole bunch of laws and try to correlate it with the actual law for people to follow. For an example, you got the man that was healed on the Sabbath day. The Jews were furious at that man for carrying his bed and walk. But Jesus did not break the Sabbath. Because if you look in the law, we see that it's the Sabbath. The Sabbath correlates to servile work. And carrying your bed is not servile work. Servile work is you working for an employer. That's servile work. But Jesus did no wrong. So we see that we have examples of what seems impossible to being possible. In Exodus 14.21, in relation to the parting of the Red Sea, it says this, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. We can't comprehend that. As a matter of fact, God doesn't say to comprehend it. He says to believe in it. That's right. Do you believe that God can do the impossible? Amen. Because that he can. And everything that is written in this word is so that we may believe on the only begotten Son. If you're not saved today, today is a day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Because eventually the time is going to come when all those who are lost, it will be too late. You know, if, if a person dies without Christ, they will go to a devil's hell. And the only time they will ever come out is when they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and then they're going into the lake of fire. And God says it's not, God, it's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Amen? 
<clears throat> Seek the Lord while he can still be found. Don't delay. The second thing I want to take a look at is the fact that Peter took his eyes off Jesus. And he focuses on the circumstance, i.e. The, boister- the boisterous wind. When we take our eyes off Jesus and begin to focus on our circumstances, like Peter, we will begin to sink. Now, we know that there's a lot going on in today's world. We've got COVID. We got all these, all this talk of vaccine, vaccine mandates and all that stuff. I won't get into too much into that. But we see there's a lot going on in today's world. We see that we have a situation in Afghanistan. We have a situation with our economy. We, have a situ- we even have situations in our own lives. And we take a look at that and say, it's overwhelming. Well, it is. It is overwhelming. And as while I would agree that we all need to be aware, be made aware of the things that we're going through, we have to be mindful to not let crazy events and trials and tribulations distract us and draw attention away from Christ. Because what we see here and what we see what's going on is the devil is taking a crisis and trying to divide the body of Christ. You have the whole vaccine deal. People are saying, no, you shouldn't take it. You should take it. And it's creating strife everywhere. It's even creating strife within the body of Christ and it shouldn't be happening. We were we're in Christ. When we are in Christ, we are made free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if we have liberty, then there is no need for strife. We need to focus Christ has to be our main focus, even through all this crazy stuff we're going through. And again, we should be made aware of it. We should warn when needed. But we can't be fixated on it. Because when we're fixated on our circumstances, it will drive you crazy. It will drive you mad. And what are we really saying when we are focusing on our circumstances rather than Christ? What are we saying? Because the moment that we take our eyes off of Christ, we doubt. And we'll get to that in a few. Now, I want you to consider the apostles. They had it worse than we do. They were beaten. They were flogged. They were brought before magistrates and the Pharisees saying, you can't preach in the name of Jesus. You can't preach that here. We haven't gotten there yet. But the apostles were living in a day where they were persecuted for for the faith. And yet you see that they rejoiced and were counted and they felt worthy to suffer for his name. Why? Because their central focus was not on what they were going through. It was on Christ. Paul also went through a lot. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. In Acts chapter 16, verses 18 
through 31. <clears throat> it says this, and this did she many, and this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, "I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her." And he came, and he came out of the, out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, think about that. What's the hope of their gains? It's money. You see, the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. And we're going to see that here in just a sec. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and onto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against him, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, have re- who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. That's a troubling, that's a very troubling circumstance, ain't it? Having to be jailed, threatened to be beaten because of what you believe. But you notice that Paul and Silas, they didn't say, oh, woe is me. You know what they did? They prayed and sang praises to God because they, their focus was on Christ. Amen? And that's the point. Even through trials and tribulations, whatever we may be going through, our central focus must be on Christ. <clears throat> but here's the result of their rejoicing. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners have had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came in trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy whole house. You see, when Paul and Silas were thrown in prison for what they believed, because of their central focus on Christ, they were not able to pray and praise God, but because as a result of their praising God, the jailer got saved. How much more... If you focus on Christ and what he wants you to do, how much more will a soul be saved? Amen? Because that's what we're called here to do. We're called here to save, to bring souls to Christ. God is good, amen? And even through the most horrible circumstances, God can make it make it for the good. God works... For God works all things good to those who love him and are called according to 
his purpose and will. You see, Paul and Silas may have been very troubled being thrown in prison, but you know what? God used that. And that was a that that was a that was a uh, a witness opportunity. You see, the jailer, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He already believed. Because he most likely heard Paul and Silas praying and worshiping. And by that the jailer's, the, the jailer's eyes opened and he, he realized he needed a savior. He believed. He had faith. And you know what? That night, that him and his whole house got saved because of Paul and Silas. Do you know why? Because the central focus of them was on Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts chapter, and in Acts chapter 27... <clears throat> 18 through 25. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tacklings of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared and no small tempest lay in us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there should, there should be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship, for there stood by me this night and the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be all of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told to me. You know, see, that Paul was probably quite fearful at that time and even doubted. And God gave him assurance by sending an angel to him. And you know what? After that, he believed. He believed. You see, even in times when we struggle, when we doubt, God is always there to pick us up. Because God is a merciful God. Jesus Christ is merciful and loving and caring. He wants men to be saved. Amen. And sometimes he'll even use trials and tribulations to do it. The question is, are we willing to focus on Christ? <clears throat> now, the third thing we see from this from this uh, story, this account, we see when Peter sinks. He shifts his focus back on Christ and cries out to save him. And Jesus reaches down and saves him. You see, Peter had faith to step out. But the moment that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the boisterous wind, he doubted. And we see that when he starts to sink... His focus switches from the circumstance back to Christ. 
And he yells out, Lord, save me. And you want to know that immediately Jesus went and picked him up. You know, sometimes I think the Lord allows us to sink. Why? So that we can learn to get our attention back on him. God will allow that. You see, Jesus allowed Peter to sink, but he saved him immediately. God will will do the same thing. He might allow you to sink, but if you cry out to him, he'll save you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This has two applications. This has an application for the saved as well as an application for the lost. For the saved, because when we feel like we're drowning in a miry pit, if we cry out to God, he'll, he'll pick you right up. As well as for the lost. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and want to know Him as your Savior, if you cry out to Him, He'll save you. You don't have to speak a special prayer to be saved. You don't have to speak special words to Christ. You just go to Him as you are and you cry out to Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, save me. He'll save you. Because guess what? The first time that we realize that we sunk is the saint where the first time that we realize we were sinking was the day that we realized we needed Christ. And Christ will pick you up. And when you get saved, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost and God will work on your life. He will work on your life so that you may be perfected into his image when you go home. Amen. Number four. Jesus tells Peter that he doubts. He says in verse 31, Jesus says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I believe the moment that when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink was a result of him doubting. When we go through trials and tribulations in our own lives, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because the moment we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, we will sink. And we sink because of our doubt. And when we doubt, we fall short. This is the tough part. When you doubt, you sin. And I'll prove it. In Romans 14, 23, it says, And he that doubteth is not damned, if he eat because he eateth not of faith. For for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You see, faith and doubt are opposites. When you don't have faith, you doubt. But the good news is that with all sin, it can be forgiven. We all doubt. I doubt. I can't tell you how many times, even in my own life recently, that I've doubted a lot of things. 
And I had to ask the Lord to help me, and he has. But with that, I also had to repent for doubting him. Amen? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. Now I want to get into some scriptures. Philippians 3.13 Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You see, we don't just keep our eyes on Christ, but we press forward towards the mark. You know, we have something great to look forward to. See, our trials and tribulations and sufferings are but for a moment. But they cannot be compared to the glory that is in heaven. Be of good cheer. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. In Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 62, it says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the, bury de- let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And, an- and another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Consider Lot's wife. When Lot and his family had to leave because God was going to wipe Sodom off the Sodom and Gomorrah and two other cities off of the face of the earth, what did Lot's wife do? She looked back. And because she looked back, she got turned into a pillar of salt. You see, we have to look and move forward. When you backslid, what happens? You go back. And we're not to go back. We're to go forward. Pressing towards the mark of a high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because that's where it's supposed to be at. And that shows us that Christ is forward. And that's where we ought to be looking. Sometimes we look back at the cross when we need to. But we look forward. And the good news is, is the cross is level The ground at the the cross is level. Anybody can come to Christ and get saved. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thought shall be established. You see that it doesn't just say commit thy work, some works to the Lord. It says commit thy works. And I believe it's talking about all thy works. Commit your works to God and he'll direct your path. Psalm 55 verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In Psalm 37, verses 4 through 5, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give 
thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Expectation is from him. That means all of our expectations is from him. It doesn't just say him in the world. It says him. That means all of our expectations is from him. Amen. He only, he only is my rock and my salvation. You see, and we see in communism and socialism, government would like to be your big brother and try to provide you through these things. But you know very well they won't do that. They're not going to provide your, the government's not going to provide your salvation. It says that he only, meaning God, God only is our rock and salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. And my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Three more verses and we'll close. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 to 34. And I think this is a pretty well-known verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore nor thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Our thoughts and our minds through Jesus Christ. Through Christ Jesus. Last verse and we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, it says, And this I speak for your own profit, that I may, that, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. You see, I know that there are some things I probably said that was very hard to hear. But, I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't preach the word of God as I do. I would be doing a disservice if I didn't speak what I spoke tonight. But I want to encourage you. I want to end it on with a good note. No matter what you're going through, trust the Lord. When you find yourself seeing other things and not focusing on Christ, come back and focus on Christ. The things around us is a distraction. The devil wants you distracted. The devil fought me over this message 
because he does not want me preaching to people that they need to focus on Christ. We have to focus on Christ. Because if we don't, we will sink. But if we sink, we can always turn back and look our eyes onto Christ and, and, and cry out to save us. And he will. God always keeps his promises. He will never fail you. He will never let you down. I will tell you that if God lied even on one promise in this book, why do we have this for? We can just toss it away, go on to the world, do whatever we want. But God will always hold to his promises. And I'm going to tell you, God loves each and every one of you so very much. He proved that over 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross, when he took your punishment and paid it in full. And Jesus said, it is done. Amen. God is grace, gracious. Jesus Christ is gracious. He is loving and he's caring. Amen. Let's go to let's go to the Lord in prayer and then Brother Bill will have you come up afterwards.